Hello, this is Ty Harden. Some folks know me as Bronco Lane. And I'm giving a little interview here on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to episode 124 of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as remakes, sequels, movies, DVD and TV, DVD releases, and our weekly interview with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. And this week, we take you back to the Old West once again on On Screen and Beyond. And we are joined by Ty Harden, who played Bronco Lane in the TV show Bronco back in the 50s and 60s, as well as such movies as PT-109, Battle of the Bulge, and a whole lot more. Ty's going to be joining us shortly right here on On Screen and Beyond, so I hope you can stick around for that. And let's see here. What do we have going on? Well, it's been, uh, I've been on vacation, so uh, things have been, you know, a little slack here, but we're going to pick things back up. And uh, hopefully uh, people are checking us out on Facebook. We're trying to keep things updated on there. And, of course, if you are on MySpace, you can check us out there also. And let's see, last week we had a great episode with John Densmore of uh, The Doors, who was with us, and he talked about uh, the the documentary he's involved with is called Huxley on Huxley, and thousands and thousands and thousands of people have been downloading it, and a lot of people are sending us comments on it, and we hope you enjoyed that one as much as a lot of other people have. And we love hearing from you. If you'd like to send us a message, you can send it to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and we'll, uh, you know, Check it out. Love hearing from you. All right, let's see. we got to get to Ty Harden coming up in a few minutes here. But right now, why don't we take a check and see what's coming your way as far as remakes on Remake Madness right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remakes keep coming your way. It seems like a live-action version of Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid is in the works. And another live-action remake, spin-off, or whatever you want to call it that's in the works, is called Tink. And it stars Elizabeth Banks as Peter Pan's Tinkerbell. And another retelling of the story of Van Helsing is in the works for a 2013 release. So it looks like the vampire films are around for a little bit longer. That's about it for remakes. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming movies, rumored and otherwise. Next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Upcoming movies, it's going to be a biopic that's coming away of the life of Elizabeth Taylor. That's in the works, and they're currently working on who will play the legendary actress. And it looks like Keenan Ivory Wayans is the writer of a film called It Takes a Village that's currently in development. It's about a woman who adopts a child in the South Pacific, and in this comedy she is trailed back to the United States by the tribe's chief and seven elders to make sure she is a good parent. And Justin Timberlake will star in Friends with Benefits as two friends decide to get romantic and things get complicated. That's about it for upcoming movies. Next on On Screen Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming away as far as sequels. Next, right here on On Screen and Beyond.
As far as sequels, it looks like Rec 2, which has just been out in theaters and actually on some uh, satellite channels, but they're in the works on Rec 3. It's going to be called Rec Genesis. It's set for 2011 release. And a possible sequel to Step Brothers may be headed our way. It looks like Will Ferrell and writer-director Adam McKay are tossing ideas around hmm, for Step Brothers 2. We'll keep you updated on that. And also another one we're going to keep you updated on. It looks like director Robert Rodriguez is saying that they are going to be working on Predators 2. All right. So we'll keep you updated on that. That's about it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen to Be On, TV on DVD. (laughs) TV on DVD. Well, 30 Rock. Season 4 will arrive on DVD on September 21st with Tina Fey and Alec Baldwin. And October 5th, you can check out Monk, the complete series limited edition box set in a 32-disc set. And Gunsmoke, the fourth season, Volume 1, is coming to DVD on October 5th also. So check those out. And that's about it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, movies coming your way on DVD right here from On Screen and Beyond. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. As far as movies coming your way on DVD, it looks like Disney's Oceans lands on DVD on October 19th. And October 4th, you can look for the Oscar-nominated animated film The Secret of Kells on DVD. And on September 21st, look for My Son, My Son, What Have Ye Done? from David Lynch and Werner Herzog. That's about it for movies coming your way on DVD. Coming up next, we're going to go back, back, back to the Old West. In the 50s and 60s, Bronco was one of the big hits. And Ty Harden was the star. And Ty is with us right here on On Screen and Beyond. It's coming up next. Stick around. Joining us today on On Screen and Beyond is an actor who from 1958 to 1962 was one of the Western heroes of our time that ruled the airwaves. He was Bronco Lane, and he appeared in such films as Palm Springs Weekend, Battle of the Bulge, and PT-109. It's Ty Harden. Ty, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Oh, I'm privileged. Thank you for inviting me. Well, Ty, you know, uh, it's, it's exciting to have you on the show because uh, we uh, love Westerns, and a lot of people who listen to the show have asked for more Western stars uh, from TV shows of the past to join us on the show, and uh, you were one of the ones that people suggested, and I appreciate you doing this. Well, it's my pleasure because I have been a fan of Westerns myself. <laughs> I grew up with the Roy Rogers and the Hopalong Cassidy's, and uh, when I got the opportunity to, to do a Western, I jumped at it. 
Hmm. Well, let's take a look at how you began in acting first. When you, uh, when you were young, uh, you know, just a little kid, were you interested in doing acting, or how did that come oh, about? Heck no, I heard all the bad things about actors. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm an electrical engineer, graduated from Texas A&M, mm-hmm. and I went to California to work for Douglas Aircraft as a critical research engineer. Yeah. So that's how I got to California, but with no idea of ever becoming an actor. Hmm. So how did you eventually but, get there? Well, just it was all by an accident. I, I always, I don't believe in accidents. I believe God has something to do with it. But mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I think He had very little to do with this. <laughs> I was, uh, I was a bunch of Aggies. I was living Texas. I went to Texas A&M, and uh, I had three other Aggie friends of mine. We all lived together, and we were going to put a Halloween party on. So I decided to go down to the Western Costume Company to borrow a costume for a Halloween party. And a little talent scout came up to me by the name of Milton Lewis, and he says, "Had you ever considered?" being an actor <laughs> and I had two of my buddies there oh yeah he's already you've got the right guy and so forth he was giving me a, a hard time but you know he was serious and he said I'd like to take you over to Paramount which is right behind the Western Costume Company and have you talked to somebody about you know considering a, a career in acting hmm. <laughs> so I had these guys double dogging me and everything and so <laughs> bottom line was I was set up to take you know to take the chance and so I went over there and was taken over there and sure enough uh, the uh, head of the studio was Milton Lewis along with uh, oh I can't remember by his name now anymore but they uh, they offered me a seven year contract wow I mean, and uh, so I came back and said come back and uh, we'll have it ready for you tomorrow so I went back and of course I, I wasn't really intending to go back but then again I was having a problem with my Aggie friends and <laughs> They, I went back and picked it up, and sure enough, they offered me twice as much money as I'm making in an engineer. And, wow. Uh, what what they had to lose, you know? Yeah, yeah. So so you had no actual acting experience when they saw None you? None whatsoever. Heck, I only thing I knew how to do was ride a horse. <laughs> well, that worked out for the Westerns. <laughs> well, that's pre- probably the reason I got on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so here you are. Um, you've been seen by uh, this talent agent and talent scout and he he offers you a job you get a job uh what's the first thing they have you do when you when they give you the contract i made this great film called i married a monster from outer space and i was a monster (laughs) (laughs) then i followed that up with space children and i was a monster all over again (laughs) but they had the paramount put me to work immediately i mean i was in everything they made in some small bit or form, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I enjoyed Paramount. Paramount had a schooling system where we went in and they worked with improvisations and so forth, and we were being trained. And uh, I, it, it became, I became very excited about it. And uh, about that time, there was a, a, a picture being made at, at Warner Brothers that I wanted to get involved, and I was a pretty brash kind of kid. I didn't, nothing stopped me. And, uh, <laughs> So I ran out to Warner Brothers to see about it and getting on the part. And I walked in and Sally Biano and t- took me in and says, we'd like Bill Orr to talk to you. And Bill Orr was executive vice president, uh, Warner Brothers' son-in-law. I went in there and talked to him about the little part. And uh, he had was having trouble with, uh, with, with Cheyenne. And mm-hmm. uh, little did I realize what was going on. But I went on back to, to, to Paramount. And 
They call me into the office and says, uh, we just traded you for, for to Warner Brothers. I said, what? <laughs> You can't do that without my permission. He says, "Yes, we can." So, so it was like baseball, and you know, they just traded. No, I'm just not, I'm, I didn't realize that's just pride. I was just <laughs> cannon fodder. <laughs> huh. So, needless to say, I walked out in the Warner Brothers. They had me on the back lot, and uh, Clint Walker had walked off the show, and I replaced him. Hmm. Of course, so, as as Bronco Wayne. As Bronco Wayne. Yeah. And of course, he came back the next year. His 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 contention was he it was it was all about money. He just wanted he wanted it wasn't about money rather. He told me to be sure and say that because it was about him getting films. He wanted to make something else besides uh, Warner Brothers film. Right. Yeah. So he did. He got you know the Night of the Grizzly and he got a couple you know he got cut two or three other films which was that was what he was after. Yeah. Now, now Cheyenne was a very popular show at that time. How very did it popular. Fe- how did it feel when you all of a sudden were thrown well, into the show? Let me tell you something. They gave me a hard time. His fans did. Who is this little shrimp you got? <laughs> <laughs> they were giving me all kinds of trouble, you know. And then, and then eventually the letters got a little better, and and then of course Clint returned, and they kept me on. And so now we had all three of us alternating: mm-hmm. Sugarfoot, myself, and, and uh, Clint. Yeah. Yeah. And that went on for a year, and then the following year, I think they let uh, Sugarfoot go, and then Clint and I did it for another two or three years. I did it in total four years. Wow, yeah. Hmm. Now, with that show, um, I noticed that a lot of times um, there was like a cross-reference here. You, you were doing other people's shows as Bronco Lane, like uh, uh, you did Maverick oh, yeah. and... Oh yeah, I did a lot. A lot of the other shows. Hey, they had about five or six of them going on. Lawman, Maverick, uh, quite a few other films that were going on at the same time. Hey, we used the same Indians that they used. <laughs> <laughs> we trade. We traded around bad guys, and there, you know, remember, remember Jack Elam with one eye going one way and the other. Right. He he, he worked two shows at one time. <laughs> so we had we had we had three Cheyenne shows going. Two lawman shows going, uh, at all at the same time, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, was... And then we had Maverick and then Maverick as well. Yeah. We had Cheyenne and Maverick. And there were two Maverick shows going, so that's five, six, seven westerns going. I mean, we trade horses around. Okay, we get the horses now, and you move the horses over here. <laughs> And and you mentioned you you did know how to ride a horse when you started then. Oh, I grew up on horses. So so it was you weren't uh, just telling people yes boy. I can ride. Yeah, I'm an old farm boy from Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hair horses was my least problem. Yeah. I couldn't act. That was my problem. <laughs> <laughs> no. Now what about handling a gun? Oh, I could handle that too. Yeah, it was. I grew, a... I, all the kids in Texas carried guns. I mean, I don't from knee height or grasshopper. I had a little gun. You know, and yeah. so I mean, guns were second second nature to us. So your your biggest problem was the acting part. You're saying <laughs> that was has always been my problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, but were you after a while? Did you get comfortable in the role and, and have fun with it? Well, I did because they didn't have any choice. They had to mold the thing up to after me. <laughs> they couldn't. They couldn't. You know, I went to school and some classes. Of, how do you do improvisation? You talk to some idiot that doesn't know what you're talking about, you know? <laughs> so, 
So, I mean, I, I never could handle the acting bit of it. You know, I just had to be me. And mm-hmm. fortunately, that, that made money. It worked well, I'll tell you. Uh, I used to love Bronco, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, that was just me. <laughs> certainly wasn't, I certainly wasn't Charles Boyer. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you were Bronco uh, doing that show, what, um, was it difficult for you to be out in public? Did people recognize you and you know start oh, I hate public. chasing I after hate you? Hate the public. Really? They are so they so unruly. Really? I mean, I had these women crashing all over me. That's a bunch of hogwash. <laughs> you know, that, what? Stop, just me. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I went through seven marriages because of that ridiculous imbalance really yeah <laughs> yeah i just couldn't i was so unstable as far as women are concerned i've just been which i was raised up in the country life and you had respect for women mm-hmm. you know what i mean and yeah and i didn't realize that a lot of women didn't mm-hmm. demand respect uh-huh. yeah. you follow what i'm saying yeah so they were literally going after a good-looking man you know right I didn't care yeah. whether i could speak english or not <laughs> <laughs> So, did you find it a big difference from going from being living in Texas to all of a sudden being thrown into uh, the, the wild Hollywood life? Oh, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> I mean, how many people have done that? Most people that come up in Hollywood have spent some time in the in the scene and have got a good adjustment already. I had no idea mm-hmm. that suddenly I was going to have women all over me. Yeah. You know? And I was going to be everywhere I go, people wanting autographs and everything. And this, I just couldn't handle it. I got to where I hid every time I could. Wow, yeah. You hmm. know, it was just too overbearing sometimes, you know. Yeah. With Bronco, are there any scenes that, or shows in particular that you remember as being memorable for you? Well, you know, one of the nice things about Bronco, it was a, a complete one-hour episode. So we had a finish, a medium, and an ending. And it was a lot of good shows. We made a lot of good shows. We made a lot of junk, too. Mm -hmm. And we filled up a lot of our shows with what we call production shots. Since it was in black and white, we had a whole uh, studio of of stock footage. Mm -hmm. And if we needed a thousand Indians, we had them. You know, I mean, whatever it was. So it was hard to really kind of put together the shows because unless you knew all the innuendos that they were going on, you know, it was just difficult. And when I went go in to dub my name or whatever and do my voiceovers, you know, I had half the time I didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And because we had such a demand, we had to turn one out every two weeks. You know, I mean, I'm working my little twitties off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I have never been used to having to you know, memorize 12, 13 pages of dialogue at one time. Right. So it was quite a, it was quite a stress at me at first. Eventually I got pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. And they adjusted as well. They tried to keep my scenes down to short and, you know, short and sweet. <laughs> <laughs> now, was there a lot of, um, you know, friendly horsing around and, and, and joking around and, and things like that on the you set? Know, you know, we had four or five shows going at the same time. We had... The Lawman, we had the Mavericks, we had uh, all all the other Western shows going on at the same time, and we'd trade Indians. I'd shoot them once, and then we'd throw them over on the other set, and they'd shoot them, and they'd bring them back again, you know? So it was quite a bit of fun, and, and I think that it was a very relaxed relationship we had at Warner Brothers at that time. You know, we had Maverick going, we had Lawman going, 
we had, uh, of course, the Cheyenne show going and Bronco. We had Sugarfoot, and we had all these various shows going on. And uh, there was a lot of coordination. There was a lot of working together. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I made a film at, even while I was making my show, you know, and I'd be cut here, and then suddenly I'd get out of my uniform, go and get in another uniform, go over and shoot the film for a while. Oh, you know? geez. Things of that nature was going on quite a bit, and it was pretty well coordinated, believe me. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With all the uh, the westerns that were on at that time, uh, were you uh, all friends, most of you? Oh, yeah, we are and still are. And still are, yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. In fact, we do uh, quite a few, uh, in fact, I got one coming up soon, uh, a film festival. Oh, yeah. And when, uh, we get we always get together with, and reminisce a little bit, you know, and of course, we've all pretty well know and understand what we all went through. So right. There's not, a, not a lot to talk about, but we're all for friends. Uh, close friends, no. Uh, it just, it's just one of the things that goes with the territory. Actors are not good friends with other actors. Hmm. I mean, that is a general general thing in the film industry. I noticed that. You know, and it, I think it has a lot to do with false egos, you know. Yeah, yeah. It sort of comes with the territory. Uh, I I personally don't have a lot of friends, and I've never been able to make friends over the years. Mm -hmm. So I have to live with my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I I was looking over some some information about the the different things you've done as far as films. Of course, you went from Bronco, and then, like you say, you were doing movies at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. Is it true, and you see a lot of things on the Internet, so, you know, I I always ask, is it true that you turned down the lead for a fistful of dollars? Yes, I did. You did? Mm -hmm. And that went to some other guy, huh? I think his name was Clint Eastwood. Yeah, Eastwood. (laughs) uh, The reason being, I've done a lot of Westerns, you know, and I I, I didn't need to, you know, that came along, and uh, it, it it was all tongue in cheek. Right. You know, it was all movie. wasn't really any acting in it. And I didn't see any interest in it. And plus, I was I liked movies. I liked making. I made Palm Springs Weekend, The Longest Day. I made four, five, six good, nice movies. And I, mm-hmm. I would have enjoyed having a movie career, except I made the mistake of going to Europe and then flying off to Australia. I made another series in Australia. Yeah. And out of sight, out of mind in this industry. True. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? When I come back, I was a stranger. So I decided, as a stranger, I was going to stay a stranger, and I couldn't, you know, <laughs> I walked away from the industry. Huh. Now, in 1963, that was a busy year for you. You had three films come out. Um, mm-hmm. You had, uh, of course, Palm Springs Weekend. Now, that one had a lot of different uh, celebrities in it. Is that true? Yes, if I remember we right? Had, we had everybody at Warner Brothers. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like uh, that that film had, you know, just about anybody you could think of who was... Who was... Well, anybody that was, you know, under contract was in it. Huh. And I thought it—I thought it was a good little enjoyable film, you know. It, 
I'm playing a cowboy in it. <laughs> right. Funny typecasting. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, there's uh, uh, Bobby Conrad who's playing a little smart aleck, and that's what he is. <laughs> <laughs> Troy Donahue, you know. And, uh, and, you know, it was just, it was a nice little film. Yeah. Connie Stevens is an excellent little actress. Connie, yes, yeah. And, and so is the rest of it. And, and now, um, of course, you were in uh, PT-109 with Cliff Robertson. Right. Um, Cliff was a guest on our show uh, last year, I think it was. Um, was it? And um, how was it being on, on the set doing, you know, portraying a historical film as opposed to a Western or something, you know? Well, I, I, I really was privileged to do that film. First of all, uh, I had a lot of respect for Mr. Kennedy, President Kennedy. Uh, he died for a great cause, mm-hmm. our country, and uh, it was it was an expression of a real, true American. You know, uh, one of the last presidents we've had that I can say that's a real, true American. Being on that film was it? Uh, I mean, watching it, it looked like it was a very physical movie for you. Uh, it was. Was it that was true? A very, a very true picture. I could. I actually learned to drive the PT boat. Oh. Uh, and did on many occasions. I actually met the president and got and fell in love with the guy, and knew that he was a, a very honest, sincere man. He was he was a patriot, you know. Mm-hmm. And the last patriot we've had is a president. Yeah. And uh, and and I felt privileged to do his film, his portrayal of his love for his country. This man paid the ultimate price for his country, you know. Yeah. He wasn't going to let the bankers destroy the monetary system, and he was going to restore gold. And if that would have happened, of course, our country wouldn't be in the trouble it is today. Did you do all the stunts in that, or did they have people? I always do my stunts. Oh, you do? Yeah. I do all my stunts. Yeah, I, very, I had a stunt man, but uh, he was only there for, for uh, one, I felt sorry for him because they don't pay him unless he does something. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a good friend. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, if something you know, was truly jeopardizing my ability to work, then he would do it. Mm-hmm. But unless that, I did all my own fights. I did all my own falls and everything. Mm-hmm. I, I laid the horse down many times. Now, with Cliff Robertson being on the the, the film too, did did the two of you know each other before you did the film? No, we didn't. The first time we met is during the film. I like Clint. I I didn't unfortunately get a chance. He was kind of an evasive person, and uh, I don't know whether many people got to know who he really is. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, actors are prone to be that way. It's not. I don't think it's so much an ego as it is a kind of a, a built-in synopsis of what acting is all about. I mean, everybody has and holds on to their own individuality. And getting to be friends with people you're only going to work with for two or three months and that's it is not one of the things that fits our... Yeah, that makes profile. it hard, I'm sure. Well, it just... It just you know, there's just so many people in the industry. You can't be friends with all of them. True. <laughs> and I walked away from the industry having very few friends in the industry. Mm-hmm. And mainly, I, I want to be, you know, I don't like to be derogatory, but most people are egomaniacs. Mm-hmm. And it comes with the territory, you know. Yeah. Uh, you've got to believe in yourself. You've got to have self-assurance and self-esteem mm-hmm. to, to be, be a good actor. Yeah. I mean, humility doesn't have a lot to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> now, it was 1965. Um, you were in the Battle of the Bulge. You, you know, you're going to this big, big 
epic type movie. How was that? Well, I was I was kind of awesome, you know, because I mean, like you say, it was big, and we had all the BP boats and the whole ball of wax there, and uh, it was it was quite quite awesome. Being on a set like that is it a lot different than a, a smaller, intimate set like PT One Hundred Nine? Oh yeah, oh yeah, so much more so. Really? Yeah. You're, just, you're, just, you're talking about Battle of the Bulge, aren't you? Yes, Battle of the Bulge. Yes. Yeah, I mean there were troops everywhere. I mean it was like being in a battle. Wow. And just it was powerful, and we had most of the people that we were working with were actual army people. I mean they solicited the army to support it. Huh. I didn't know they could do that. I thought that army belonged to the people, not to the film industry. (laughs) Now, you mentioned earlier um, about doing uh, the series in Australia, uh, Riptide. Uh, What what made you decide to head down under to to go do a a, a, a series? Well, you know, one, I was I had been there before during the service, and mm-hmm. I liked Australia. Two, I was married to an Australian at the time. Oh, okay. Miss, Miss Universe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, no, she was Miss Germany. I was married to another one. I've been married eight times, <laughs> nine times. I can't remember when. But, uh, but anyway, she's, this is a wonderful opportunity to go home. And so I took the series. The series, unfortunately, didn't get sold to the States, and it required that sales to make it work, you know? Mm-hmm. But I thought the series, the potential of the series was excellent. You know, it, it was, it really was. It was shot out on the Barrier Reef, and it was all authentic. The only problem is everybody had an accent except me. <laughs> <laughs> is, is it a lot different making a film for Australian TV as opposed to U.S. TV? Not really. They're all, you know, there's certain qualities and values you have to stick to with, you know. Uh, the only difference is, like I say, is that uh, probably the Australians are a lot more relaxed and uh, are more into developing quality and, and aesthetic aesthetic values. Mm-hmm. Uh, Americans, they cut print next next shot. You know? Yeah, <laughs> they're they're all about getting in six sixty setup today. Wow. Yeah. So, so there's a big difference in that respect. So I think that we need to make some more westerns, but uh, unfortunately the, the industry is not supporting them. Yeah, it's run by a whole different group of people. Yeah, it's I don't know the the, the, the yeah, way films. Go, we won't go there, but they're a bunch of liberals. Let's leave it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, they don't they don't have any uh, concern for our history and our past and who we were, and they they don't want they're not interested in exposing it anymore. You know. Yeah, well, I can remember being a, you know when I was a kid. Uh, you know, I mean, the western was everywhere. Well, of course. And it was... And it was entertainment, and it was people you could identify with. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a shame our children aren't getting it. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's It's 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 too bad, because that... I mean, that was always something, you know, there, there was always a hero to watch, but now, on TV, there's not any... Very no few heroes. heroes. No, there's no heroes. And unfortunately, the saddest part about that is the fact that the mode... And the, and the values that we used to uphold is so important in our society are, are lost. Yeah, you don't see that anymore on TV. Not, no, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. So it's, you know, it's all about money. True, yep. That's yeah. what it comes down to nowadays. It comes down to. Yeah. 
Well, Ty, I appreciate you talking with us, um, but I do have two more questions, and it, it takes us away from uh, the general you know, acting and things like that. Uh, but what I'm wondering is, as far as your favorite TV shows of all times, now or or back then, other than Bronco, of course. <laughs> it, what what does uh, Ty Harden watch on TV, or what do you like to watch? Well, as of contemporary stuff today, I don't. Mm-hmm. You know? there's, there's nothing that has full that they captured my enthusiasm to be entertained. Mm-hmm. Uh, primary because the plots are so devious and so under undermining some of my values and principles that I I, I, I don't identify with it. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost like it, 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 it's it's. Uh, a different game than what I'm looking. You know, I watch Fox News and uh, I keep up with Mel. <laughs> he's he's a, he was a friend of mine. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's going through hell right now. <laughs> you know, but the the thing is, the the only thing I find enjoyable is watching some of the old westerns. Yeah. You know, I enjoy watching because I happen to be not just a product of it, but I have to be a firm fan of the the western. Because it exemplified who we are and as a people, as a nation. It's the establishment of a great nation. I still think our nation is the greatest nation on the planet. Mm-hmm. I have one one last question. Go ahead. What are your favorite movies? Well, everyone's has everyone ever told you Gone with with the Wind was a great movie? In in fact, a lot of times people will will give us that one. <laughs> Well, I hate to be I hate to be redundant, but the thing is that you know there's a lot of great movies that have been made, as you're well aware, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's hard to beat a movie like Gone with the Wind because it had such a political effect in our country, mm-hmm. and we have not been able to in any way meet that standard because most of the films most of the films were made today have, the story has been told three and four times. Right, oh yeah. yeah. And to come up to come up with the caliber of actors and actresses that they had at that period of time would be hard to find. Seriously. Yes. Yeah. We just, our industry is, look at Mel, you know, I like Mel, but what did he, <laughs> you know, he just can't come up with something decent, you know? Right, yeah. yeah. And Mel Gibson is a good boy, a good man. Yeah. But, but the bottom line is, it seems like they're undermining the stories to where they're not addressing our history and who we are. They're not building the image of the American. Yeah. Are you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In other, in other words, how can you really, really be great unless you appear to be great? You know, unless you mm-hmm. can stand in, in the line of defense of right and wrong and freedom. Mm-hmm. And that's not happening yeah, it's just, it's just not happening, and unfortunately, most of the stuff we're sending out today is crap. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here on the television watching Mel Gibson and his new girlfriend. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did, are there any actors or actresses who who inspired you over the years? 
Yeah, I guess one one of my best was John Wayne, and I guess most actors will tell you that. John Wayne, yeah. Well, I, hey, he, I, he, he is put me in the industry. He put me in the industry. I was Paramount. I was there only for one reason: to, to borrow a costume for a Halloween party we were having. <laughs> yeah. And I happened to walk into to John Wayne's office. It was there at Batjack, mm-hmm. and he had me. The, the guy at the office had me take took me right back in the back where John Wayne was. It flipped me out, man. Wow! And he called the president of Paramount, which is where I was borrowing my costume, and says, "I have a man here. I want to put him on the contract." <laughs> so that's how I got the film industry. So you guess you can imagine how much <coughs> respect I had for the man, yeah. and I kept I kept a a a, a, a walking relationship with him. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was always generous. I'd go by, and when he was working at Paramount, and I'd watch him work, you know, and he'd, he'd talk to me, well, boy, what do you think about that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just a kid, you know. I was a kid just out of college at 25 years old. Uh, he, and he was such a great actor, I mean. Oh, he'd been my hero all my life, you yeah. know. So it was just kind of a awesome, awesome thing for me to have an experience of that nature. I'm sure it must have been a thrill to be able to... To actually well, talk with him. <laughs> yeah, just to talk with him. You can't you can't number him as a friend because he didn't have any time for me. Mm-hmm. But the boy was I had time for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you make time, that's for sure. Huh? That's right, I did. <laughs> well, Ty, I want to thank you so much. I appreciate you oh, taking the time. My pleasure. My pleasure. I want to thank Ty Harden so much for joining us. Uh, he's one of those those heroes from uh, back in the Western shows and all that. And, and he was just, just such a, a great guy. Love having him on the show and hope you enjoyed it too. And if you have a suggestion for somebody that you would like to have us have as a guest on On Screen and Beyond, uh, send it to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. We'll see what we can do. Uh, a lot of the guests we've been having lately have been suggestions from people who have sent us uh, you know, a little feedback at feedback at onscreenandbeyond and said, how about this person? So we've been uh, finding these people and... And uh, luckily, they've been willing to come on the show. So we appreciate them taking their time, and we appreciate you sending us uh, suggestions. So it helps us out. So uh, send those to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And let's see, upcoming shows, we have some great guests coming your way. We have, uh, for example, a star from an 80s TV show coming up. We also have a hit songwriter and so much more. So stick around for that. I hope you're going to join us each week here at On Screen and Beyond. Till next week, this is Brian Zemrak. Take care. (laughs) 